Hey guys, and thank you for joining us here at I-80 Sports. Today, we're talking about the NFC West. We're recapping the 2020 season. Steve, you ready to get right into it? I am. The days are longer, and that must mean that we must have hit free agency, but we're not here to talk about free agency. We're here to recap. Absolutely. We had a switch to... Uh, night recording because the sun was coming in so loud that we had to turn that down. But let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks because they are the NFC West champions. They were 12-4 and last season. They were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the Los Angeles Rams. Some of the contributors for Seattle include Russell Wilson, 384 passes for 4,212 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He also added 583 rushing yards and two tight two touchdowns. Chris Carson had 141 rushes for 681, five touchdowns and 30 receptions for 287 yards and two touchdowns. He had Carlos Hyde, 81 rushes, 356 yards and four touchdowns, 93 receiving yards. DK Metcalf, 83 receptions for 1,303 yards on his way to 10 touchdowns and being wide receiver seven in fantasy. And Tyler Lockett with 100 receptions, 1,054 yards. Also, 10 touchdowns, wide receiver, 9 in fantasy last season. Steve, what do you think about the 2020 Seattle Seahawks? It's funny. When we talk about the other teams in this division, we'll be talking about all these contributors, and, and you know the list just gets longer. But when you look at when you really look at the Seattle contributors, there it only comes down to three: Wilson, Metcalf, and Lockett. But even then, when you look at the season splits, the only consistent contributor throughout the season was DK Metcalf. He, uh, I, I personally think that he is one season away from superstar classification. You know, being drafted in the third round really made him feel slighted because he was like, he was like, everyone was talking about how he is like locked in to be a first round pick, and he was yeah. like drafted in the third round. He just needs to get past that Jalen Ramsey kryptonite because Jalen Ramsey has him on lock. Absolutely, I do agree there. Now. I couldn't disagree anymore about DK Metcalf because he's already a star, man. He was a star when he signed that rookie contract with his shirt off in Pete Carroll's office. That was when it came, <laughs> and he hasn't taken a step back really since joining the NFL. Um, again, when we talk about steadiness, I guess you're kind of referring to Tyler Lockett as the up and down. You know, Tyler Lockett had a 20-target, 15-catch, 200-yard, three-touchdown game, so he kind of... That's his whole season right there. That's the spike. Yep. That's the pinnacle. And he's allowed to do a little less everywhere else. DK Metcalf wasn't necessarily steady throughout the season. Now in his first eight games, 5.4 receptions, 98.5 yards, and one touchdown per game, 18.55 points per game. That lands him wide receiver two, only four points behind Devontae Adams. But if you look at the last eight games that he played, once Russ stopped cooking, when Pete Carroll kind of took back over the offense, Five receptions, 64.6 yards, 0.3 touchdowns per game. That lands him 10.75 points per game at wide receivers, 26 all the way behind Curtis Samuel. So when you talk about steady, yes, the over arc of his season didn't have all these uh, peaks and valleys, but it did kind of have like this. Yeah. And where the first <laughs> half was here, the second half was here. He did plateau. So a lot of what he's going to bring is going to depend on game plan and depend on what Russell Wilson can bring. 
Yeah, but but you know, I just want to touch on the Tyler Lockett thing. You know, it it wasn't just the the um the week seven game against Arizona where he had forty five point five points. His, his number, his um top ten finish really only comes from six games, and one of them was week seventeen, um uh, where basically it just padded the stats just to make it look better overall. But you know, if you if you look at if you look at his other games outside outside of um, outside of the five games that we count for the count fantasy season, four point nine, six point four, five point three, six, nine point one, three point eight, eight point three, seven seven, five four, five nine. Like he has three games with over ten targets. He also has three games with four or less targets. So that's what you're going to get. And when you talk about Metcalf again, his he has the higher every single game. Mm-hmm. except when he's lining up against Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. He has that kind of same ceiling. However, the overarc of the season lended that his first half was much better than his second half. But let's talk yeah. a little about the run game here because the run game for Seattle was non-existent. Is that a good term? <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, I would not be surprised if the Seahawks go, um, get a running back in the draft. I know they re-signed Chris Carson, but I've never been a Chris Carson fan. Despite his stats, he just cannot stay healthy, and he can't finish games. He has never been a top, uh, a top 10 half PPR running back. To me, in my opinion, he's a run, he's a running back three who sneakily just has running back two stats. Like he'll break off, he'll break off a big run or he'll have a big first half of a game, but then he'll get injured and he, and he won't finish the game. But because he had solid numbers, you know, he's a running back two for the week, you know? Yeah. Yes. The, and like I said, you know, the numbers show that he, that, you know, he plays a lot of games, but he doesn't finish them. And, and, you know, just the consistency health wise, you know, if I, if he was just more hit, um, healthy, I wouldn't be ragging on him so, so much, but to me, Chris Carson is just unreliable. I agree. Absolutely. There, if I had to sum up the season, it kind of has to do with Russell Wilson, not being happy first half of the season. We were talking about him in MVP every Mm -hmm. single week. Then it just, it vanished. It went right away. Pete Carroll's game plan and the offensive line can't keep this offense on the field. That has something to do with what Chris Carson's able to do too. The fact that there's this has got to be the worst offensive line in football. If there was a less mobile quarterback, it it would Mm -hmm. all be over. So Russell Wilson was angry this offseason. They were talking about some unhappiness. So they need to shore up that defensive line. And also their secondary giving up 275 plus air yards (laughs) per game. That's got to change in 2021. But this is not the 2021 preview show. This is the 2020 recap show. Steven, I, I are you ready to talk about the... Uh, okay, I guess not. I, I, I just have one more question because you be, you always said that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. Do you still yes. believe that? Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm glad. Moving on actually. to the Los Angeles Rams. Rams were a strong defense with a pretty bad offense in 2020. They finished 10 and 6 and beat their division rival, the Seattle Seahawks, in that wild card game. Let's take a look at who contributed. For this LA Rams team, you had Jared Goff at quarterback, 370 completions on 552 passes, 3,952 yards, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That lands him at quarterback 18 in fantasy. Cam Akers had 145 rushes for 625, two touchdowns, added only 11 receptions for 123 yards and one end zone find. You had Daryl Henderson, 138 rushes for 624, five touchdowns. Also added 16 receptions for 159 in a tutty. Malcolm Brown, 101 rushes for 419 yards, five touchdowns. 
You had Cooper Cup, 92 receptions for 974 and 3. Robert Woods, 90 receptions for 936 and 6. Josh Reynolds for 52, 618 and 2. Then you had two tight ends in Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett in the 40s with those receptions. 521 yards for Higby, 417 for Everett, five touchdowns for Higby. Let's get into some thoughts and reactions because that's what this show is, the 2020 NFC West recap and reaction show. Any team that is number one against the passing yards and number four in against opponent rushings per game should be able to remain competitive. That's lock that in. But if Sean McVay is going to claim to be an offensive genius that he does, this scheme's got to get a lot better. They sent Jared Goff out, and I think he was kind of the scapegoat because he went to the Lions, and his career's over because they, they're not offering him anything over there either. <laughs> but he is a scheme quarterback, and McVay is supposed to be some master schemer. Well, McVay needs to do a better job of getting Goff playing to his strengths. The rise and fall of Jared Goff also coincided with the rise and fall of another player. That is Todd Gurley and that play action and the ability to make the defense think you're going to run on every play. Once that mm. was gone, Goff had no superpowers because they were taking away his first and second read. He They were keeping him inside the pocket. They weren't doing any of the play action outside the pocket stuff. And it just all fell apart. And if I'm an amateur fantasy analyst and I can see that, why can't supposedly the best offensive mind in, in play <laughs> get Goff a better scheme, get him to uh, defenses just figured it out and, and Goff paid the ultimate price. He got sent to Detroit. Yeah. That's, but, that's what I got for the season. Yeah. I, I just want to touch on the tight end situation. That's really all I want to talk about because, you know, it was a position of a lot of intrigue and um, was supposed to be like, Oh, Tyler Higby, he, he would, he could possibly be a top 10 tight end. But, you know, one of the main concerns was, was Gerald Everett coming back, going to cut into his production. And that definitely did. That was definitely the case. In the last six games of 2019, when, when it was just Higby, he was averaging 10.3 targets a game, eight receptions a game, 90, 90.3 yards per game, and 0.33 touchdowns because he only scored, scored two touchdowns. Um, but, you know, you, you stat that out, he would have had 164.8 um, targets, 128 receptions, and 1,444.8 yards, and 5.3 touchdowns. That's like... George Kittle and Travis, Travis Kelsey numbers. But the question is, could he possibly achieve those numbers now that Everett's no longer in, um, in, in town? And it's hard to say, but I would say that a realistic floor is, you know, what, and what we can expect moving forward is if you were to really combine Higby and Everett's stats together, it would be 85 receptions, 938 yards, and six touchdowns um, in half PPR. That would be 172.3 um, points, which would have been number three overall. He would have been 20 points um, behind um, Robert Tanyan, who's, who, who was number three. Um, so let's just see what happens now that Everett's no longer in the picture. I mean, Bob, you're the tight end whisperer. So, uh, I mean, what do you think? So when I look back at 2020, I see that they ran about 30% two tight end sense. So I wouldn't be surprised if Higby wasn't the only tight end in there. And if there's two, you have to assume that the plan is going to be to spread the ball out. I have never really been very interested in Tyler Higby. I think he's kind of a dime a dozen guy with dime a dozen talent. He can catch. He can move the ball forward. You look for that in a tight end, but he just doesn't 
some and, and this is where I fight so many people because people say you got to watch the film it jumps right off the tape to me it doesn't I just kind of think it's overblown as far as Stafford his new quarterback goes I think his love of tight ends is a little bit overblown you see what Eric Ebron did do you really want Tyler Higby having the same guy that Eric Ebron had for all those years thrown on the ball just never came to fruition with that career last season there were 100 101 targets to Hawkinson so I think the targets might be higher but I just don't like Tyler Higby and it, where you have to take him as a top five tight end. I just think there's other guys I'm interested in that zone, Steve. Okay. All right. That's fair. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's a question to ask me after I do my season prediction rankings. Cause I do stat out every single player in the NFL and it's hard to see where the target share goes when you're getting an incomplete picture. Um, and definitely the one player that I'd really, really like to see from this group um, take the next step is Van Jefferson. So if you ask where some Me of those too. targets were going to go, I'd like to see Van Jefferson get more than one or two of those. Because mm-hmm. Josh Reynolds is in Jacksonville now, so there's no excuse. And Van Jefferson is a burner, and we all know that Matt Stafford loves his burners. Beautiful. Someone else who loves his burners? That would be Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals finished 8-8 eight and eight last season. Kyler Murray. Had 375 completions for 3,971 yards. That gave him 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. But the money ball is his 955 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. Puts him at quarterback two for fantasy football. You also had Kenyon Drake with 239 rushes for 955 yards, 11 touchdowns. Didn't add much in the air, though. Chase Edmonds, 97 rushes for 450 and 53 receptions for 402. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins with 115 receptions, 1,470 yards, and six touchdowns. Answering the question, yes, he can do it anywhere. Wide receiver 10 in fantasy football last year. He had Christian Kirk, 48 receptions, 621, and six touchdowns. And Dan Arnold, I don't even know why he's on this sheet. 31 receptions for 438. (laughs) Tight end. And four touchdowns. Guess we got to get a tight end in there. Kyler Murray (laughs) is a baller. That is my takeaway improved his uh, completion percentage up a little bit tight end uh, touchdowns up from 20 to 26 touchdown percentage up a full percent 33.7 percent up to 4.7 percent and a passer rating of 94.3 not to mention leading the team with 11 rushing touchdowns fun fact Kenyon Drake was number two with 10 no yeah yeah 10 and Chase Edmonds with one so they're two <laughs> rushing running backs on this team. So Steve, what do you think about the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah. The fascinating thing for me was that Kenyon Drake almost had a thousand yards. Like I thought he was, uh, I had the perception that he was much worse than, than I thought he was, especially since he was, especially since he got that transition tag, what I, which I think paid him what I think it was somewhere around the area of $12 million. Um, and his 176.7 fantasy finish, you know, he actually averaged out 11.404 ga- um, points per game, which is actually something pretty good for a running back too. Um, I think he was running back 12 on the season. I think that's right. I think that's where I had him on fantasy pros. Yep. I'm running back 12 and um, you know, but Drake signing with the Raiders uh, and not returning to Arizona. It makes you wonder how that's going to pan out for him going forward. Um, also, I know a lot of people like Chase Edmonds, and I know that this is not going to be a popular take, but I don't see him as a three-down back. I honestly see the Cardinals going somewhere um, going somewhere else trying to get him. Maybe a Leonard Fournette. I think Leonard Fournette would be a very good fit for um, Cliff Kingsbury's offense, but that that's just me. 
The thing with Chase is he did have a number of games during his career, maybe three or four, where he was the number one back with 25 rushes, and he did all right. It was kind of a mixed bag, but he does have that upside to me. But um, I, I don't, I don't think he's that guy anymore either. And I would have said last year, you know, just because we haven't seen the skill set doesn't mean he doesn't possess the skill set. But I would be interested in seeing what this Arizona Cardinals team does in the future. I did have an interesting stat though. Of Kyler's 11 rushing touchdowns, six came inside the 10-yard line. Of Drake's 10 rushing touchdowns, nine came from inside the five-yard line. That is big man work. That is numbers that you don't see anywhere else. Maybe they can go in the draft and pick up someone like Najee Harris if they want to go in the first round. I talked to our college football guys just before, and they mentioned uh, Trey Sermon or Javante Williams as big backs who might be able to replace that and get the work done because... Again, Chase Edmonds hasn't had the greatest health during his career either. They're going to want to bring someone in, whether it's during the draft or free agency, and I could see that being what really can push this Arizona team, Cardinals team into the next level. Mm -hmm. But another player that I'm very intrigued by is Christian Kirk. Um, this, this, he's going into a contract year. And he's never topped 800 yards. Um, 706 is his, from la, from 2019 was the most. Um, he just had over. He had the six. He hit the 600 mark. 621. Um, I'm just wondering if he can really excel in the number two role. You know, he he's made some fantastic catches. It, it, you know, it, is DeAndre Hopkins just siphoning off ju that many targets for him? You know, it, it, is the offense going to just continue to flow through DeAndre Hopkins? You know, Hopkins is truly one of the best NFL wide receivers. We know that. We saw that. You don't Hale even need Murray. him to be open. Just yeah, throw to him. He's open. Don't worry about but, it. But 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 you know we see. But we keep seeing this with other great wide receivers, and that and that includes Larry Fitzgerald when he was the big guy in um in Arizona. If you don't have a great number two wide receiver to help share the load, the team just stagnates, and that's exactly what happened in the in the second half of the season. You know, DeAndre Hopkins was getting double and triple teamed, and nobody else uh, nobody else was really making significant plays. You know, I mentioned Dan Arnold because he was third on the he was third on the depth chart, and he was uh, I, I mean third on the um. On the in the yardage in terms of receiving, but you know it's also it's also because people considered him a fantastic playmaking tight end slash wide receiver, and he only had 438 yards. Two and half of his touchdowns came in one game. Yeah, I think the telling thing here is that they went out and got AJ Green in the offseason. and mm -hmm. we know AJ Green's thing; he's injured, but he's still one of the a really really good wide receiver when he can play when he's on the field. So, not so much the addition. But the fact that they thought they had to go and get him is what really kind of worries me in this situation. I would yeah. love to see Chase Edmonds on the field more often because like we saw with Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon's the better running back, but the team two years ago, the Chargers, just played so much better when they had that check down option on the field. And I think Chase Edmonds might bring a little more to the plate that way, just in, in the ability to extend plays and just keep the offense a little less predictable, you know, mm -hmm. when you have that option. So we will exactly. see what happens with the Arizona Cardinals in 2021, but we have one last team in this division and that is the San Francisco 49ers riddled with injuries all over their defense. And every week I said, I'm not going to bet on them to win, but they did win six of their 10 games. Let's look at their offensive contributors. We'll start with Nick Mullins, 
211 completions for 2,437 yards, 12 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, quarterback 34 in fantasy. Jimmy Garoppolo, 94 completions on 140 pass attempts for 1,096 yards, 7 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Jeff Wilson Jr., 126 rushes, 600 yards, 7 touchdowns, added 13 receptions for 133 and 3. You had Raheem Mostert with 104 rushes for 521 yards and 2 touchdowns. Jarek McKinnon, 81 rushes for 319 yards and 5 touchdowns, also added 33 receptions for 253 and 1. Brandon Ayuk in a shortened rookie year, 60 receptions, 748 and 5. You had Kendrick Bourne, 49 receptions, 667 yards and 2 touchdowns. Debo Samuel, 33 receptions in 391 yards and one touchdown in what feels like only five games played. And George Kittle, 48 receptions for 634 and two touchdowns. Guess what, Steve? He was also hurt all last year. Yeah, um, eight games, yeah. Um, it, it's fascinating. The 49ers, you know, you said it, they were ravaged with injuries at almost every position, yet this team still managed to pull out six wins. For me, it validates my opinion that Shanahan is one of the better coaches in the league. I'm not saying best. I'm just saying, you know, it takes it, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of cojones to to be like, okay, we you know we lost our starting starting quarterback after six games. We only have we only have three wins. Oh well, let's just throw in the towel. No, they went out and they won three more games. And um, you know. <sighs> With, it, it's fascinating because even with a limited Jimmy G in 2019, you know, the, it, the that dominant defense and just and just well enough offensive play put them in the Super Bowl. If this didn't, if this team didn't have to, and, and go back to 2018, how many injuries did they have in 2018? And, 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 and you know, including the injury to Jimmy G, you know, it, it's. It, it this team just has to find a way to stay healthy at all times because this is this is a good Super Bowl um, contender when fully healthy. Absolutely. Now the one hill I'm willing to die on with this 49ers team is and always has been that Ayuk is better than Debo Samuel. I said that during last offseason. I said they're going even. They're going at the same spot in the draft. You need to draft Ayuk stay away from Debo Samuel. He started the preseason with a fracture in his foot in June. He had some surgery. He was on the long road to rehab. He, we knew he was going to miss time going into the season, but people weren't taking that in into uh, taking that into counter when they were doing their draft analysis. Brandon Ayuk is just better. Over his last three complete games, 95.7 yards per reception and 0.7 touchdowns. Oh, sorry, 95.7 yards on eight receptions, not per eight receptions with 0.7 touchdowns. Um, and we'll see what kind of quarterback roulette's going to await him this year, but they are still in kind of the same range with Brandon Ayuk going maybe 10 spots higher in draft. Brandon Ayuk is a much better wide receiver, and I implore you all to to really do your research there and, and see what Brandon Ayuk can really bring to the table for this team. Yeah, you know, other than that, it's really hard to evaluate what this team cur- currently is. So like you, I just have to play, wait, and see what happens, especially at quarterback with 2021. You know where to get those predictions. They will be right here at I-80 Sports. Uh, if you're just watching for the first time, hit that subscribe button and, and uh, let us know what you think about this episode. Steve, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Um, no, I, I, we, uh, free agencies has really, even though, um, even though we're in the second week, there's still a lot of deals out there to be made. Really excited to see where a few other players land. You know, let's just see what happens. All right. Thank you for joining us today at ID sports. 